Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith's America podcast. This is volume 100-something. I am just getting back from the Southeastern Conference basketball tournament, which I was part of the broadcast team over in Nashville, Tennessee, Music City. I love that town so much. And I got to be a part of that broadcast with Carl Ravitch, Jimmy Dykes, and Dick Vitale. And I had an absolute blast. But I was saying to Travis before we came on, um, when you're doing all those games and with all those names, that's what I said, so many games and so many names. Uh, it's a very unique experience, but man, did it live up to the hype. Not only was the semifinal round absolutely unbelievable, LSU and Arkansas going at each other like hell, Alabama and Tennessee going after each other like hell, but that championship game between Alabama and LSU is just as good as it gets. I mean, it's one of the best athletic events. It's one of the best sports competitions I've ever been a part of. And ultimately, Alabama prevails literally in the last second and uh, wins its first SEC championship since 1991. And, Travis, it's so interesting to me what Nate Oates has done there. He told me – he's the head coach, uh, for those of you who may not know, Alabama's head coach – and I asked him uh, Thursday night, maybe, what his timeline was when he got to Tuscaloosa. And he said to me, he admitted to me that he's actually turned the program around quicker than even he expected he would. He thought three, maybe four years. And he said, hell, if I didn't do it in four years, I'd be gone anyway. It's a performance-based business. And – here he is in year two as the regular season and tournament Southeastern Conference champions with a two seed going into the NCAA tournament with the MVP of the league in Herb Jones, with the MVP of the tournament in Javon Quinterly, with a very veteran roster of, of guys who've played together forever. Uh, I mean, Alex Reese – and John Petty and Herb Jones, and I'm pretty sure Jordan Bruner, who came over from Yale, I think all of those guys are 100-plus game. I think they've all played more than 100 games in their career. That's insanity. And so they, it stands to be a, a tournament that they can do well in. And we'll get to the Big Ten in just a minute with, with Travis's Buckeyes. Y'all got a two-seed, right? Yeah, we got a two-seed, and it's – Alabama and Ohio State are very similar in that they're clearly football schools. Now, Ohio State has a more rich history of basketball, but, you know, the coaches are in similar positions where they know who, you know, who the bread yeah, they know what is. Bread's buttered, as we say down south. But, but I like, I love EJ Liddell. I said to Mark Pantone, your brother and mine, the player personnel director at Ohio State, one of my, closest friends in college football in, in period in my life. I was like, man, y'all need to issue EJ Liddell some pads, dude. You need to send that young man some shoulder pads. He looks like he might be a decent little defensive end there. He's a, he's a tough one, but back to the SEC tournament, it was maybe the first uh, environment that almost felt normal. When oh, you yeah. looked up, you could see that there wasn't a full crowd, obviously. But if you closed your eyes at times, it felt like a a real tournament. 
It absolutely did. And I actually mentioned that during the Tennessee Alabama game. I just thought that it was amazing to feel it as, you know, those two schools hate each other. Tennessee and Alabama hate each other. And I really like Tennessee's team a lot. They got two freshmen that are both going to be big time NBA draft picks. They got a senior named Eve Pons who's going to have a long NBA career. His He's athleticism good. is just off the charts. He had nine blocks in one game uh, during the SEC tournament. And so it, as, as that game progressed, the Tennessee fans were directly to my right, and the Alabama fans were across the floor to my right behind their, the team's bench. And it was a back-and-forth slugfest. And it got louder and louder and louder, and it was beautiful. And I said during the broadcast, look, I, I had the great blessing of standing on football sidelines all fall. And you could sense it at times, but it just didn't feel like it's supposed to feel. And that's another thing. Like, I want to – I'm going to go back at some point, and I'm going to ask all these football coaches, what was the cha- – and, and it's funny because, Travis, they all said it to me all fall – but for some reason, being at the basketball SEC tournament really drove it home for me, the create-your-own-energy dynamic. Those football coaches said it to me all fall long. We have to be the team that creates our own energy best. That's a and good point. That because, ain't easy to do, man. Well, and it's funny that you bring that up because I noticed recently – how active the benches are and being up and cheering. It's typically the benches, you know, they'll get hype on a big dunk, something like that. But for the most part, they're just kind of sitting there. Not this year. They're up and they're loud and it's, it's noticeable. Yeah. And they have to be, it is a create your own energy environment. And that kind of goes back to the coaching as well. And like, like with you just take LSU and Alabama, these are dynamic personalities in Will Wade, who is always LSU's coach, pumping his fist, getting them up, yelling, screaming. And then you got Nate Oates at Alabama, who is a – it's obvious to me how well he relates to his players. He's a guy's guy. And so all of that plays into this. And so it was just really, really fun and fulfilling to get to see that. And congratulations to Alabama uh, in winning the Southeastern Conference Tournament. And as you make your way around who's where in the bracket. Hold on a, hold on a second, though. I want to go back to the game real fast. The pregame, okay. there was, you know, some coaches actually got the whole thing started and little, you know, yep, yelling at each other. What do you think the reaction was from uh, the coaches when they saw Greg Sankey walk out? Because the commissioner walks out. That's kind of like when dad's coming home, like, oh, crap. Well, I, a little inside baseball. I saw Commissioner Sankey at halftime and of that game, of the championship game. I went back to grab a water in the back. Like, so there's like a really cool, sweet kind of dining room thing just off the floor, which is just off the ice for the Nashville Predators who play in Bridgestone Arena. And we had access to that for refreshments, for coffee, et cetera. And so at halftime, I went back there, and I saw Herb Vincent and Charlie Hussey and all the guys that are, do such a great job in the SEC, and the commissioner came in. And I was like, dude, you can add MMA referee to your resume now. 
And he was like, oh, it wasn't like that. And he was like, God, I just don't – like, what are they doing? I said, I got to be honest with you, sir. We love that stuff. I said, that for, for, a, for a guy in my position, that's what we're talking about. Because it, it was funny. So that's all unfolding real time right in front of my eyes. And we're watching it happen. But I'm on this perch. I can't go anywhere due to COVID protocols. So I'm just watching it unfold. And as I'm watching it unfold, I'm like, well, my open to the game just changed. And so then you're doing your best to look at the monitor. I'm asking the – this is inside baseball, y'all. This is pulling the curtain back. I'm asking my production crew, the guys in the truck, who are the best in the world. Scott Matthews is our producer. Derek Mobley, D-Mob, is our director. And our camera people are unbelievable. They got unbelievable angles from all over the arena. So we're zooming in trying to see who's doing what and who instigated what and who was involved in what. And so then your entire pregame – I mean, this is minutes before the tip. So your entire pregame report has now changed. And I'm like, you know, I have to get a comment from the commissioner who walks out in the middle of the basketball floor during pregame warmups to help his staff and the officials – but I don't want to say break. It wasn't a fight by any stretch. It was, it was just it was a bunch of, those, of yapping. Like, it, what it felt like was when your dad tells you and your brother, go to your room, like, yeah. shut up and go to your room. That's what it felt like. That's what it was. And so I texted the commissioner. I said, sir, could I get a quick comment on what you just experienced, what just happened? I saw you were right in the middle of it. I love what he wrote me back. This was great. He says, talk, all talk. The players were fine. Sometimes it's the adults who aren't. After all it's taken to move to this point, it's time to play the game, not talk. And that's just perfect. That's absolute truth. All I could think about was we had him on last week on the podcast and talked about the stress that he's had to deal with. And you're finally at the the culmination of everything this year. And he's like, one more thing I got to deal with. Come on, guys, help me out here. They did a great job. Everybody involved did a great job of just calm. Like, we love the intensity. I love that intensity. We all know. It's like I said on a broadcast. We all know how heated the LSU-Alabama rivalry is on the gridiron. But, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, it is on fire on the hardwood here in Nashville, Tennessee. And it was. And, my Lord, did the game live up to the hype. It's as good a basketball – it's as good a college basketball game – as I have seen, I mean, maybe ever, because so I'm not saying it's the greatest game ever. Don't I'm saying that I was immersed in that I was that focused on. It was a, it was a slugfest. Trendon Watford was, was unguardable for LSU. Uh, Javante Smart, Darius Days, all those guys on LSU's team, they wanted that win so 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 bad, and so did Alabama. It was a game where it was just haymakers being thrown. You you yeah, look cl- up I mean, and like, it was a, big a boy from a deep three here, and then another like it was just they were trying to see who can knock each other out with the the one punch. That yeah, entire, it was big boy ball. game. There's no doubt it was big boy ball, and and at such a high level, like big time players making big time plays on big time stages, and that's what you hear these guys say all the time. That's what that's what we want. 
And there's another thing, too. I thought this was cool, Will Wade talking about the officiating, because the semifinal round was very physical. I mean, crazy physical. And the rest were letting them play. That's what you want in March. You don't want ticky-tack crap. You want players to have to finish through contact. And, and I thought that was such a great and, – and, and Mike Eads is the new director of officials for the SEC, and Will Wade actually shouted him out. Like, it, that's his leadership of the officiating crews manifesting itself in letting players make plays. And so just a really awesome experience to be there. Uh, it's the first time that I broadcast a conference tournament. I was supposed to do it in 2020, but, of course, it got shut down due to COVID. And another thing that's interesting, I don't think I said this last week, Travis, if I did, stop me, but last year when it all got shut down, I couldn't get home. So the next morning I was supposed to fly out Friday morning from Nashville to Charlotte. And I went up to the concierge lounge in the hotel there um, to get a coffee. Nobody was in there but me. And I hear the door open behind me. And the next thing you know, Nate Oates is sitting down right beside me. And he and I sat there and had a coffee together and just shot the breeze. And, you know, we're sitting there thinking, it ought to be two weeks. You know, two weeks and this will be we'll move along. And here we are a year later uh, still working through the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, look. I said this during the broadcast, one of the broadcasts, one of the many, but I want to say it again here on Marty Smith's America. Y'all, the baseline anxiety and stress that the coaching staffs and the players have to go through every day. They got tested every day. And these coaches at 6 a.m., they're waiting on that text. Are we playing or are we not playing? Is the bubble that we've had had ourselves in successful or is it not? And it's and if a player or somebody gets it, it's not because you know they necessarily did anything wrong. It's just this, you know, COVID just you can catch it so easily that it's that's a constant stress that you trust your team, but at any point one little thing can happen and it's it's over. It, it it's just unbelievable. You look at Duke, you look at Kansas, you look at the University of Virginia and how these schools were impacted with COVID. Fortunately, uh, it looks like, I mean, of course, Duke's not in the NCAA tournament, but Virginia's in, Kansas is in. And so it looks like those guys are going to have the opportunity to go ahead and try to win a national championship. But, and, and then, you know, now they get to, they get to Indianapolis, and you talk about a bubble. I mean, you talk about... I mean, it, it's the ultimate bubble. It's like the NBA bubble, only in a different place. Well, and you just had last night, six officials got sent home because their rooms weren't ready and they went and got lunch together. And one of them before getting tested, <laughs> I did had not COVID. know this, Travis. And so there's six this. officials that they went to eat before, while waiting for the room and before they could get tested. So one of them had COVID was around the other officials. And now there's six officials that have been sent home, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what it's like in Indy. I mean, you know Indy really well through the 500. They know how to handle things and get it done. They do. Uh, and, and, and it was so fascinating. We talked to Greg Shaheen on Marty and McGee on Saturday, who for years ran the thing, ran the NCAA tournament. So you talk about being a wealth of information and an unbelievable resource. He actually told us on Marty and McGee that for several years now, I think he said since 9-11, they had worked on 
he mentioned 9-11 and I want to say with the um when they built Lucas Oil is when I think they they've I this could be wrong is when it really started to go into action of hey this is the backup site Right. Whatever. Ha- if there's a, if there's a natural disaster, if there's if we need a back, we want to be the official permanent backup for the final four or for the NCAA tournament. And so I'm just thrilled for the young people that they have the opportunity to chase a dream. I mean, if you're if you're Winthrop, if you're North Texas, if you're Liberty, if you're I mean, I went to a school like that. I went to a school where the men's basketball team is so important to the fabric of the university. And I remember my senior year of college, my friends, Corey Reed and Kevin Robinson and Shebe Johnson and all my buddies that I went to college with who played on the basketball team. It was the first time in the history of our school that we went to the NCAA tournament. And we went to Rupp Arena and got the doors blown off by the Duke Blue Devils, who were, I think, the number one overall seed in the tournament. And by the way, they had... William Avery, Shane Battier, Trajan Langdon, uh, uh, who else? They had uh, – oh, 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 oh. Who's the, the GM of the, Elton of the Sixers? Elton Brand, yeah. Like, it was crazy. Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys had the lead, though, right? One, nothing One to nothing. Mo Parker, my boy Eric Parker. Man, he tried to flush it on Elton Brand. I think he missed the dunk, but he got fouled. And he made the free throw, and we were actually up one to nothing. I need to call – actually – I need to call the athletic department at Radford. There should be a photograph in the Deadman Center of that moment where it says Radford one, Duke zero in Rupp Arena. Well, so funny, uh, when Lee Corso was coaching at IU, at the end of one of the at first quarter, I think it was, they were beating Ohio State. He said, stop, everybody take a photo of the scoreboard before we don't have the lead. Yeah, that's it. But I'm just excited as you're saying – you know, there were a lot of college sports that were lost, but the tournament is what everybody in. So we had the conference tournaments. We got the brackets on Sunday and, and it's, there's just something about this next three weeks that. Oh yeah. It's fabulous. It's it magical. Just, and I, again, there, it's just the, the, pro, the, you know what it is, man. It's what's beautiful about the NCAA tournament is hope. It's like the perfect example of hope because 15s have beaten twos. 14s have beaten threes. A 16 16s beaten a one. have beaten ones. UVA. And you, so you love that, didn't you? I had to get that dig in. But, you know, uh, it's just it's, – it's phenomenal. And I can't wait to get started. As a fan, we'll be watching. And uh, – and good luck to everybody involved. Good luck to all the, the folks who are managing all of the COVID protocols. Good luck to the staffs and the coaches and the administrations and most certainly the players. Uh, congratulations for getting to this point, for being so diligent and working so hard and staying so focused on getting there. And I'll make one last point and then we can move along. The Kentucky, this is the first time since who knows when. I know there's a stat that Duke and Kentucky both are not in the NCAA tournament. Look at how those programs operate. What they do is those programs take four and five McDonald's All-Americans, 
who've been told they're the greatest player on the planet Earth since they were seven or eight years old. They, the, the brilliance of John Calipari and Mike Krzyzewski, they take those personalities, they break them down from individuals into teammates, they rebuild them as a, as a unit. And it's a proven blueprint, even though, you know, Kentucky fans will say, oh, we haven't won a national championship since 2012. I, I get all that. But for the most part, you're always in the national narrative. It's hard to win, y'all. But this year, because of COVID, all the opportunity off the floor to grow your friendships, to grow your relationships, to get that clairvoyance that makes you better on the floor didn't exist. Can't go to coach's house and have a pool party. Can't go out to dinner together. Can't be immersed in the community where you're getting that adulation and that admiration from the fan bases. And it showed. Are you a bracket person? What's, well, you know, you and the family? I was family a bracket do? person as a younger person. Um, I fill them out every year when I do the uh, 24-hour basketball bracket bracketology marathon with ESPN, but uh, we didn't do that this year because we can't. And, yes, I'll fill out a bracket for sure. I've not done it yet, but I will absolutely do one. Um. I, I'm going to have to really buckle down and look at it because some of these matchups, some of these matchups are unbelievable. And I'm going to really have to really have to look at it hard. Um, so I, I, I will do a bracket, but growing up, it was, you know, I'll get in, you know, three, five pools or whatever. But now I refuse to get in a pool that has money involved because especially when Ohio State's in it. Yeah, of course my emotions don't allow me to pick the way well, that I should. I, like the game that I can't wait to watch, and it has nothing to do with the fact that I grew up, you know, cheering for Bimbo Coles and Dale Curry. But that Florida-Virginia Tech game, that Florida-Virginia Tech game is going to be the truth. I'm going to tell you something, bro. Trey Mann, number one for Florida, that is a dude right there. I watched that guy score 30 points in the second half. I mean, he can go. I met his mom, too. She was a sweetheart. So, I mean, he can, that game is going to be phenomenal. What Mike Young has already done in Blacksburg in a COVID pandemic, uh, he's going to have the Hokies right. He's a great coach. Of course, came over from Wofford. He's from that area. He's a Southwest Virginia boy. Uh, I just I can't wait to see that game in particular – but there's so many just great matchups. That 8-9 with Carolina and Wisconsin. That was going to be, be a good one. Oh, it's going to be a freaking monster. I cannot yeah. wait. I mean, and that remember, second round, you, you expect – I mean, who knows if, if, if what's going to happen. I think the Syracuse-San Diego State game, that's a 6-11. That's a I think that's going to be real. Um, there's just like their VCU in Oregon. Like, it's well, going to be – Michigan State and UCLA are in a play-in game. Yeah, that's crazy. And remember, the tournament doesn't start. It's on Friday and Saturday are the first-round games, and Sunday, Monday are the second round. Yep. A little difference of people listening. Don't don't expect those Thursday uh, full slate of games. Now, you were at the tournament, and from everything, it looked like it went well. And then Sunday, I get a notification that Marty Smith is going live on Instagram. 
So oh, I, Travis. I, I click it to curious, you know, if you're at the airport, if you're home already, you know, what, what's going on? Uh, uh, and you're standing in a parking garage. I got back from five days at the SEC tournament in Nashville. I left the championship game. I ran out of Bridgestone Arena back to the hotel. I grabbed all my stuff. I got in the rental. I drove, hauled ass over to Nashville's airport, drank a beer, got on an airplane, flew to the house, flew or flew to, flew to Charlotte. We land. There's no gate for us, per usual, at Charlotte Douglas Airport. We park at E32. So for those of you who don't know Charlotte Airport, the oh, E-terminal is in Egypt. It's the E-terminal because it stands for Egypt. It's awful. It's so far. I mean, oh, my, it's so far. So I have all of my baggage with me. I walk. I mean, honest to goodness, I think it's probably from the e, from E32 to where my truck was parked at Charlotte Douglas Airport. It has to be a mile. It has to be at least a mile. And so I get to my truck, I open my truck, I sit down in my truck, I take my mask off, I'm like, hallelujah. I push the button on the awesome Ram Rebel that I drive, and it won't turn over. I'm like, oh, no, what's going on here? Is it the back? What, did I leave the lights on? What the hell's going on here? I text my buddy, Ryan Mathesius. So I get my trucks. Y'all, most of y'all know I have the Ram Ram trucks deal through the college football playoff. And I get my trucks through a guy I went to college with at Blue Ridge Auto Group over in Southwest Virginia. And I just got this red Ram Rebel. I had a charcoal gray one. This red kind of, one is looking sweet. Yeah, the red one is it's it's red. I look like a I look like a four-wheel drive bottle of ketchup. You can drive that in, you drive that in Columbus and people will like you. So it won't turn over. So I text Mathesius. I'm like, hey, man, I can't. This thing ain't starting. He goes, I said, do you have any idea what might be wrong? Guess what he wrote me back? It, maybe you need gas? You know, like he's busting my chops. He's a world-class chops buster. I'm like, whatever, dude. Ultimately, we, we break this thing down to, I think it's gas. How, how did you – I feel like you would have known, like, getting there. I don't, I, Travis, I don't, like one thing you got to understand is I have to write myself in my notes on my phone. I have my entire life schedule. I have everything in, I mean, I've sent it to you a hundred times. This is what my week looks like. So in that, within that, I edit it. Every time I park at the airport, I go in and say, I'm parked day, uh, hourly lot six B that's the road. But yeah. So that's what I, cause I don't remember. I like, I, you always think when you park, Oh, I'll remember. It's no big deal. Dude, you don't remember after five days, you, especially when all of the games and all of the names, your mind's cooked. Were you in a rush to get to the airport? I, I, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. It's not in, it does. It's not on my hard drive anymore. I have no idea. I'm sure this is not new. Laney actually said every time she gets in my truck to drive it, she has to put gas in it. So, was, and, and it would make Leo's, it would make my dad so disappointed in me 
He told me from the time I got my license, you never get below a quarter tank, ever. You get to go fill it up. And so anyway, my neighbor, Daniel Lyles, who lives right over there, he's like, Mr. He has, he, Daniel's got a guy for everything or Daniel has it in his garage. And I don't care. You need a hose clamp for your garden hose. Daniel's got it. You need, uh, you need a, a, a very, like the rarest light known to man for your fancy ceiling fan. Daniel's got it. So he's like, he's like, a, he's like your personal Lowe's. He's a renaissance man. He can do anything. Actually, it's funny. He was an executive for Lowe's for 100 years. Anyway, so Daniel, I call Daniel. I'm like, dude, do you have gas in your garage? He's like, of course I do. I have a uh, five-gallon jug in my garage. I'm like, dude, I I, I don't know how to ask you this, bro. I need you to grab that jug and come down to the airport. He's like, what? I said, dude, I'm out of gas, I think. And he goes, so I FaceTime him. And I push the button. He goes, stop. He goes, I think it is gas. Don't keep pushing that button because if you do, it's going to run the battery out, and then we got a whole other problem. I'm like, all right. Daniel drives 30 minutes from our house to the airport, pulls up. We we put the five gallons in there. The Rebel rolls right over, and off I go. And then I go over to the – let me tell you how dry it was. We put that five gallons in there. I go over to the gas station right at the airport where invariably the prices are like $1.50 higher than anywhere else in the city because they can. And that's, that's like, you know, people coming back with the rental cars. Oh, I got to fill up. They can jack the prices. Anyway, dude, I put like 80-something dollars worth of gas in the Rebel. That truck was thirsty. It was thirsty, dude. So thank you to Daniel. That's Daniel, a hell of a friend. Like, no, no, that doesn't even start. I mean, you ask anybody in our neighborhood or anybody that knows that man, there are not high enough endorsements for his for what a sweet person he is. He is, he's just a wonderful man, and uh, it's a. It, I mean, it inspires me to pay it forward and fill up my damn truck. You're right, though. I, the quarter tank is something I've always been told. Like, I get anxiety if it's like if it goes 50 miles below. On you know, it says how many miles I've left. If it's under 50, I'm like, where's the gas station? Yeah, at? it Let's... changes. So, so my perspective that will never happen again. I know I'm I'm now going to be 45 years old will next it, month. Though? No, no, no question. There's no question. It's never like I learned my lesson. All I wanted to do was go home. Anybody who's a business traveler knows that feeling when you get to your car you're like oh yes and then when your car doesn't start and you sit there another 90 minutes in a parking garage by the way i did that instagram live five different people probably went by me and nobody even acknowledged i was just standing there doing an instagram live on the sixth floor of a parking deck and you were still in your you know, Sue, yeah, you I still came on. straight from the game. I came straight from the arena to the airplane. And like, that was that. Yeah. Um, you called, you called me when you're driving home and I could tell that all you wanted to do was walk in that door, just give your family a hug. And you, it's just been extended by, you know, two hours or whatever. Yeah, Like, it, like it was ridiculous, but thanks to Daniel, uh, no harm, no foul lesson learned. It's all good. 
So let me tell y'all what I got to go do. So my dear friend, Shannon Spake from Fox Sports, is heavily involved with the Ironman Foundation. Spake's done half Ironman races and all that. And a lot of y'all know that I love endurance sports. I run several marathons and, and that whole thing. Well, we are, they're doing a big event for the Ironman Foundation where there are three teams and we're raising all this money. Well, I have to run a 5K as part of this initiative and I got to go do it right now. So Travis and I will reconvene in 75 minutes and I will tell you how it went. All right, 10, 15, right here. I'll be right back. All right, we're back. I told you I'd be back in 75 minutes. And here I am 73 minutes later. Um, it is, just to paint a picture for you guys of what I just did, it's 38 degrees and pouring rain in Charlotte. It's about as miserable as it can be to go compete outside. But I promised Spake I would do this 5K for her. And so I did. I ran a 23.15 uh, in those conditions. It was a burner. My lungs were on fire. Uh, it was much more of a mental exercise than it was a physical exercise to tell myself one foot in front of the next. But somehow, so Spake was taping this on Thursday March, whatever Thursday is, the 18th, the Ironman folks are putting together an entire television show or, or digital show on their Facebook page or YouTube page or both with all these different people competing in the various events. They're making it a show. And so uh, Spake was taping me while I ran, but she lost me. She didn't. I went into Jaton Park, which is the huge public park here near where I live at Lake Norman, and she didn't know I went in there, so she lost me. So you were holding your phone, and she was recording you. No, she was recording me on her GoPro from her car. Oh, gotcha. And she lost me. She didn't know I went into the park. So anyway, it's just the most Marty thing ever. I was gonna say uh, that's, that's so. What's your uh, what was on the playlist for this run what were you listening to i didn't to? have one i didn't even use music really nope i just took off running and i didn't stretch which i'm going to be feeling that later because it's different when you're going to do a training run at least it was for me which is probably why i was never an you know excellent endurance athlete if i'm going to run a 5k because i'm just in a training mode i'm gonna i'm not going for like full-blown race tilt pace and i just didn't stretch i went out and went full-blown race tilt pace and i'm an old man i'm gonna be 45 next month and so uh i'm gonna be feeling that one what's like normal fastest travis the fastest 5k i ever ran was i think in 1808 so the difference between 1808 and 2315 I'm no mathematician, but that's more than five minutes over three miles. That's crazy. You're an old man now. But, yeah, so I'm glad that's in the books. Uh, I'm glad that Shannon now has all the content she needs for her friends at the Iron Man Foundation. Uh, 
Travis, this is the greatest part of this for me is I got a bunch of Ironman gear and all I had to do was run a 5K to get it. There you um, go. Normally, people that do Ironman, Ironman races do a 1.2-mile swim, I think is what the number is, 112 miles on a bike, and a marathon. Yeah, I don't think you quite did that. No, almost. You got close. one miles. I mean, yeah. look, the fact that it's 38 degrees and raining has to account for something, right? Um, so we'll give you credit. I think you have. Did Did you ask the masses uh, an Ask Marty situation? Yeah, yeah. Ryan Ryan Holmes has a good question. We're going to pretend that uh, COVID isn't going on for this question. So when you go to a new city, you know, for college football or racing or whatever basketball, do you ask for places to go to eat, or what's your uh, how do you operate when trying to get uh, food? Do you try to go to local spots? What's the routine? If I'm going to a brand new city I've never been to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm asking the hotel staff what is authentically great in that town. And then once I get to the establishment, the first thing that I do is ask, what can y'all got? That That is a the fact that I can confirm – with my own ears i've seen it on multiple occasions and many times you don't even ask like what it is you're just you know what Kangel got let me look at the can and then you just pick it i've gone away from ipas though i can't do it anymore they hurt too much even one even one ipa the next day i feel like hell so i'm, I'm done with ipas i can't i just can't i love how they taste and i love the immediate buzz i get but it's all the i mean even the same day the aftermath of it is so bad for me that they gone man your age is really catching up to you. you're you know hurting after a 5k you're not able to drink these ipas anymore trust me young buck just trust me on this it's coming father time's undefeated oh believe me i i feel it already and i'm not even at 45 yet so it's it's gonna come get me too like there's a couple places in Nashville when we were there for the tournament. I went to Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse, which Jeff, the owner, is a buddy of mine. So I had been to his restaurants in Louisville, Lexington, um, Nashville. He had Cincinnati. He has a, a restaurant. I've been to those three. I've been to Nashville, Louisville, and Lexington. We eat there every Thursday of Derby week in this Louisville restaurant, my buddy, Tony and me, uh, and some of our other people who are more well-known we'll have, uh, we'll have dinner at, at Ruby's every single Thursday before the Kentucky Derby. Amazing establishment. Y'all should check that out. little plug for Jeff. I just, I love him. He's so generous to his friends and, um, it was awesome to see. Now get this is crazy. So we go into the restaurant and, we sit down and the waiter tells us that the fireplace we were sitting in front of was from Al Capone's house in Palm Island, Florida, when he was arrested for tax evasion. His house got put up for auction and they took all these little individual pieces of the decor and sold them individually. And Jeff Ruby bought the fireplace and had the Nashville establishment's ceiling built tall enough to put it in there. 
So we were sitting in front of Al Capone's fireplace. Y'all go to Nashville and eat at Ruby's. That's unreal. Ask the, ask the hostess or host, I want to see that Al Capone fireplace. And it's right into your left. It's wild to look at. Is there like a, a plaque or something to let people know? Or is it kind of you just have to talk to uh, the I people didn't, there? I don't know. I didn't see one. I just the, the staff told me that. And that was really cool for us to, to, to check out. Uh, also, there's another place in Nashville that y'all got to check out. My buddy Kip Moore took me there. It's called The Optimist. And Kip Moore took me there. My buddy who's the country singer. And they have this yellow fin tuna carpaccio starter dude it imagine a bait it's it's a sphere of tuna like a looks imagine a tuna baseball filled with guacamole and spices and all it it was he told me he's like bro you're gonna you're gonna freak out when you eat this thing and it was one of the greatest things I've ever tasted in my life. Uh, it was it awesome vibe there. It's like super Nashville hipster. A lot of stained glass. Awesome drinks. I had I had a whiskey mule. Really good. So check out the Optimist and and go to Jeff Ruby's too. Both those places are awesome in Nashville. While we're on it, I gotta say one more place in Nashville. You know Nashville is my town. So so my buddy Ben Weprin owns the graduate hotel him and his him and his partners uh are are brilliant in the way that they do their hotels uh and on top of the nashville graduate they put a restaurant bar called the white limousine if y'all are in nashville you got to go check this place out it's unlike any place y'all have seen it's an awesome place to go chill Super authentic, old school Nashville, very Dolly Parton inspired. It's 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 just dope. I mean, it's just super super dope. So go check that out too. Uh, and now your Nashville tourism board is complete. I mean, I I could go on and on about that town. By the it's way, a, dude, it's an it's an amazing. I've been there once, and I need to get back again. Even though the Bridgestone Arena is right by Broadway, I stayed away from. Nashville was open for business. So. Yeah, you have to, right? It's with you working and needing to be safe about how you operate and with how Nashville is open for business, it's not work. You can't risk it. Nope. I had to as just much, kick as, all, as, as much as we love that town and as much as we'd love to walk up and down Broadway, right now you just, you can't. Can't do it, man. I wanted to go listen to live music. I thought about the Bluebird had a had an open mic night Thursday night. I thought about going over there. It might have been Friday night, one of the nights. But I was just like, dude, you can't do it. So, you know, you go grab a beer in the hotel bar and go right back to the room. But yep. that's a smart thing to do anyway. It's uh, – they're very long days at those tournaments. And uh, and you want to be on your A game, man. And, like, Saturday was crazy. I had Marty and McGee 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. And then I went and showered, went to the arena and covered games till 5.30. So – those are really long days, but awesome opportunity. Congrats to Roll Tide Roll. I hope y'all enjoy the NCAA tournament and check this out. The NCAA tournament is a better's paradise. We all know that. And if y'all like to wager a little bit, make sure you check out Stanford Steve and the Bears podcast. It's hard to find two guys who know college basketball as well as these two. 
Download and subscribe to Stanford Steve and the Bear Podcast, along with Marty Smith's America, wherever you get your podcast. One other thing, too, I know a lot of y'all who listen are Marty and McGee fans. Here coming up in a couple of weeks, um, the Daily Wager will be on in the third hour of Marty and McGee. So Marty and McGee is only going to be seven to nine, and he and I will not be available on a couple of those weekends. Not this coming weekend, but next weekend, he and I are both in Los Angeles uh, doing uh, some work with Formula One. So we will not be available uh, to do Marty McGee that day. And then the next Saturday, I'm at the Masters with Travis, and McGee is taking vacation. So not this coming Saturday. We'll have a standard Marty and McGee this coming Saturday. You know from who's the Wilderness be, Lodge. You know who's going to be producing this Saturday's show? Uh, probably some degenerate jackwad. Your your boy here is coming back that's, for for a Saturday to produce. That's awesome, dude. Let's roll. So we'll we'll get the tunes rocking. What guest are you planning to get us? Like, who are you going to get us, man? Um, I don't know. I've I've really thought about that right now. I've been super busy. Yeah, y'all need, need to understand. Travis's schedule got a little busier. Travis is now producing tv stuff he's producing espn plus shows he's still doing katie nolan's podcast he's doing svp's podcast he's doing my are you doing bear and them too i got i got, I got stephen bear's podcast even weeks. somehow he finds time for me i mean got, it's amazing we got masters stuff to work on we got lots of master stuff coming up uh travis and i are interviewing dustin johnson here in a few hours for the official Masters podcast for Please Now Driving. So I'm going to get out of y'all's ear and go start preparing for that. Uh, I had an awesome experience with DJ last week, so I'm looking forward to chatting with him again here. Preview, looking back and looking ahead to the Masters. Thanks so much to our law enforcement officials all over the country working hard to keep our community safe. Thank you to our firemen, our first responders, which, by the way, the Cornelius Limley Fire Department just looked at me like I was out of my ever-loving mind when I ran by them in the pouring rain a few minutes ago. Well, you Appreciate are. you guys. They're not wrong. <laughs> um, thank you so much to the United States military. We appreciate your sacrifice so much. We get to live in a free land, and I'm so grateful for that. Y'all have an amazing week. This is Marty Smith's America. We'll see you next time around.